0: In the name of Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier, amen. Over the past couple of months, Sarah and I have received more requests for a baptism than is typical. As we entered the program year, we knew we would have a baptism on October 16th, and we knew we would have at least one. Now we have two baptisms on All Saints Day, November 6th. Then some more requests came in, two of which needed specific dates because of the availability of out of town godparents. These dates were today and October 23rd. When I put the pieces together, I thought, we have a problem. We couldn't possibly have four different baptism Sundays all in the course of five weeks. It just isn't done. The church has historically, and I think for good reason, but I don't know what it is, clumped baptisms, if not into the four official baptism holy days of the year, at least into no more than one per month. I thought for sure that if we did not figure out how to cluster these baptisms into one or two Sundays, we would be fielding complaints until Christmas. From Who? I have no idea. I was just sure that someone would complain and that this was a problem. But then, Sarah and I started to talk about what to do, and in the course of our conversation, I remembered something I heard theologian Martin Smith say at a conference a few months back. Martin said that he thought the last generation's generational mandate was to re-centralize the Eucharist. They did this with the 1979 Book of Common Prayer, in which the Eucharist moved from an occasional ritual to the central sacramental practice of our weekly worship. Then Martin told us that he thought our generational mandate was to re-centralize baptism. It isn't... Just an occasional, cute ritual, he told us. It is deep and mysterious, and it is at the center of who we are as Christians. As Sarah and I talked about our fall baptism schedule and recalled Martin's words, the Holy Spirit seemed to be in the room. It became clear that we were being offered a rare opportunity to refocus our attention as a community on our baptismal identity. Today we heard about the ten lepers who approached Jesus for healing. Jesus sent them to show themselves to the priests, and along the way, they were all healed. One of them returns to Jesus to say thank you. We don't know what the other nine lepers did. I do not doubt that they were good people who were grateful for what had been done for them. But they do not inspire me as much as the leper who returned to say thank you. Imagine that ten families are given the gift of a new child. They all love their children and are deeply grateful for the gift of life that has entered their household. Let's imagine that one family is moved to turn around, take stock of their blessings and how they came to be, and respond by coming to the baptismal font with their gratitude, by bringing their joy back to the hands of God, who gave it in the first place. There is nothing condemnable about the other nine families, but the family that comes to the font is the family that inspires me. The nine lepers who kept going did what was expected of them. They did what they were told to do. They did what the others were doing. And in today's world, raising one's children outside of a faith community, or at least keeping religion on the sidelines of one's life, has become the status quo. It is the way of many good people. There's no reason to judge them. But that tenth leper and that tenth family, they are the ones who choose something different, something powerful and profound. They choose to enter into life-sustaining relationship with Jesus. When we choose baptism either for our children or for ourselves, We are turning back toward God with gratitude, gratitude for our life. We are entering sacramental mystery as we interact with God-infused water, oil, and fire. And there is more. There's the part where Jesus tells tells us to get up and go on our way, for our faith has made us well. And we have to figure out what going on our way and living our faith looks like. Luckily, baptism comes with a guidebook. This is where our baptismal covenant comes in. The promises we make at baptism are part of our response to Jesus' invitation to get up and go on our way. What is our way? As baptized people, it is this. We say who we believe God to be, Creator, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Speaking God's identity is not so clear-cut. It's not easy. It is a mystery that we try to put into inadequate words. But we use words that we have used for so long that the straining to know God through them is amplified, compounded, by the millions of times that they have been spoken. And so we speak them as they are. And then we answer a series of five questions. Will we come to church? Will we resist temptation and when we mess up, which we will, return to doing the right thing? Will we live and speak as if Christ's message of love means something to us? Will we seek Christ in all persons, loving our neighbor as ourselves? Will we seek justice and peace and respect the dignity of every human being? We respond with the words, I will, with God's help. With God's help is the only way it will happen. With God's help and in community. As a community, I pray that we are the tenth leper, turning back to God from whom we came in response to Jesus' healing love. I pray that our covenant renewed each time we gather to baptize a new person, is a lived response to the love of God, made manifest in our lives at birth, brought into our identity at baptism, and cultivated throughout our lives. Bryn Elizabeth McGuire, we are so grateful that your family has turned in their gratitude for you toward God, toward the waters of baptism, toward community. We are gathered to welcome and support you in your life in Christ. I know you have no idea what we're saying right now, but we are grateful that you are giving us this opportunity to take a step toward re-centralizing baptism in our lives as you begin your own. So my dear little one, why don't you bring your family up?